this was my way of discovering it. It took time. It led to several things not working out. And there's a lot of anxiety during that phase, which is where the support system, like having these mentors helps. Otherwise it feels by the end of the sixth or seventh startup, it just felt like I should just go and get a job. And there are several times where that happens. And I think you just have to show up next day and say, okay, let's knock it out, do something else. Hey, welcome to Beginner Maps, where we showcase stories of scary career pivots so that you get the courage, path, and role models to carve out a career that you love. Hi, I'm Natesh. Today, I am thrilled to have Pramod Rao with us. Pramod is the co-founder and CEO of Thredo, where he is building the command center for community builders. Thredo gives community builders superpowers by allowing them to get actionable insights, automations, and workflows to manage their communities. Before Thredo, Pramod was the VP of Marketing at Zomato, India's largest food delivery and restaurant discovery company. He joined them as their 13th employee and went on to build and lead their marketing team for more than eight years. Then in 2019, he quit to start his own high growth startup. That's why I am super excited to speak to him about his journey going from working at a high growth startup to building one. I want to talk about this massive win that you had recently where you raised your your big seed round of $3.1 billion at Fredo. Congratulations. Thank you. Thanks a lot, Atish. What is an exciting thing that you think you will be able to unlock with this seed round at Fredo? I think this is a new category that has emerged in the last three to five years. So one, the seed round is a great validation to for this category itself that, that there are more, there's more capital going into empower community builders and help organizations really build sustainably. And I think community led growth is the best way to do that. In terms of what it unlocks for us, and definitely it unlocks the ability for us to build the best team so that we can go out there and, and sort of solve all the problems from first principles, like in terms of what community builders face. And, and we see Thredo in three stages. So the stage one is we basically help organizations and communities engage with their customers through community and do a better job there, which is what we are focusing on right now. For us, stage two is around support, like how can community builders provide better support to community members, right? And, and stage three is more around how can we help them grow and, and maybe even qualify leads from the community. So this is more of a nine to 12 month roadmap. And, and so sort of the seed round is like helping us achieve that vision in the short term yeah yeah that's amazing yeah i mean i love your three-step vision that leads ultimately to getting community qualified leads because those are like the holy grail for community builders that's going to just really prove the value of the community which a lot of community builders struggle with like right yeah. away and yeah just close that discussion yeah. so i think the third stage is also around how do you measure impact of the community and and that's the key part, I'd say, which is not just like community qualified leads, but what is the business impact that community brings and, and whether it be in terms of 
number of active contributors for your product or brand or could be like community qualified leads. Yeah, but we want to close the loop and, and become that tool that helps you do that in one place, essentially. Yeah. Love this. Okay. So just a little segue here. Yeah. So I, I know from your LinkedIn post that you have a really interesting approach to raising capital. So instead of jumping straight into raising venture money, you actually yeah. bootstrapped Fredo and like with, while you're bootstrapping, you are able to build like this wonderful product that, that I love using. And then you have a stellar team. You already had a stellar team before you raised that money of about 25 people or so. So like how, how did you go through all of these milestones with Trido while you were bootstrapping? Like how did you fund it? Yeah, sure. So a couple of clarifications there. So I think the, the seed round, we raised it in stages. So part of it had come in a few months earlier and then part of it a couple of months back and then we made the announcement. So yeah, so, but yeah, it is true. I'll go back to two years ago when I started, we, we were bootstrapped for about nine to 12, nine to 10 months. And then we then started, that's when I met my co-founder and CTO and, and started figuring out what we should build, which is the current version of Thredo. And uh, Shalini had joined a couple of months after I'd started. So she was the first employee and, and uh, to join us. So we had a great team, about a four or five member team before we started our, our fundraise process. The second thing is also we wanted to raise capital, not for building the prototype for example so we wanted to have the prototype ready and then work on that with early partners and and that's that was the phase where for the last about eight months we were working with about 30 odd partners and around the time we raised the seed round as well a part of the seed round which we hadn't disclosed at that point and 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 now we we were coming out of our beta so, which is when we raised another tranche and we decided to announce that. Love this. And so correct me, am I, am I correct in my understanding that when you say you're bootstrapped, you mean that you bootstrapped it from your personal cushion? Yeah, correct. Yes. So I basically planned for a three-year runway and when I started out Thredo and bootstrapped it for the first 10 odd months and then went into uh, basically the thought of raising capital happened around that time. and then. Four months later is when we started our fundraise process. Yeah. Wow. This this is really remarkable because this feels like you you were able to place this really incredible bet on like by betting your own personal reserve and it kind of reminds me of the stories about let's say Steve Jobs or Elon Musk where when they started their next ventures they bootstrapped or actually they funded it through their own reserves and people generally they can be hesitant in doing that and it comes with a lot of anxiety because you're kind of betting your own safety net in there so what was that yeah. like for you did that come and how did you deal with that yeah obviously it's not without anxiety so it always felt where are we headed a bit of backstory like before Thredo, i was on a one and a half year break so part of the three-year runway was already consumed in some form. Like I explored multiple other ideas, but I had not experienced those problems myself. So which prevented me from like diving into those ideas further. Um, and, and that took some time. And I think the buffer helped 
to spend that time as well. So if I had not planned for three years, it I don't know that scenario. You could always hype, have hypothetical situations. But yeah, so like for me, it was important to explore and then land on this. And I was willing to like at that point for Threado as well, the initial thought was like, let's give it a year and a half or so and, and see where it goes. Mm-hmm. And that's the thought. Uh, I'd say uh, having that cushion always helps. It allows you to explore more without having... Uh, for me, uh, I had explored with a, a consulting gig as well before and trying to start up while I was doing a consulting gig. But that felt... There was always this safety net which, uh, and I was basically procrastinating starting up and so then decided to like, just focus on one thing, do it well and, and see where it goes. Yeah. Yeah, That's amazing. So I think this required massive amounts of courage and it's really admirable to see, I'm, I'm sure like it would be really admirable for listeners too, that how you were able to have that courage and just use use it use this time and yeah we'll we'll dive more into it very soon but before that i want to talk about zomato you've mentioned zomato a lot of times about how um you really learned community building at zomato when community building wasn't really a thing so that's that's what makes me really excited about this segue so i know that you have you had a very strong content and community playbook at zomato so just tell me about this playbook and how yeah. you would execute on it, let's say, when you launch to a new city. Yeah, sure. So yeah, we we were executing this playbook between 2010 to 2016, largely. And and um, for example, any and it would take anywhere between six to eighteen months for this to like really take off. And and we had a very simple flywheel that there's restaurant content that's out there, and then that brings and then. Our platform is where users come in and then they connect with each other and they share their experiences. The more they do that, that results in more content that gets more users to the platform. So that was the flywheel that our team was executing and building out across markets. And we like, it, it was an approach where we'd start with, obviously the content part was like, process for getting all the restaurant listings and the menus and and i think like we did a phenomenal job at ensuring that any restaurant that's out there was on zomato and we'd physically go to each and every restaurant and ensure that their content was on our platform and uh, that was the first step the second was obviously like we we start getting the early adopters on board and that involved like you know, for example if we were going to melbourne i'd first hire a community manager. They Community managers usually would be the first or the second hire uh, for us. And, and then we, we spend a good three months just meeting one-on-one with people who are passionate about restaurants or food in that city. How did you find the community managers back then? Because it wasn't really a thing. Yeah. So there are like the, the proxy there was like folks who were good at conducting events or who knew or usually sometimes like we, we'd get from our own users, like we, we speak to like food bloggers and they are, uh, they usually are doing community building without it being called that. So 
they'd be our hires uh, a lot of the times. So in Melbourne, the first hire I remember, his name is Pranav. He joined from Red Bull. So Red Bull had a great campus ambassador program, and, and he was managing a bunch of their events in Melbourne as well. So he really knew the pulse of the city, and and I think the good thing about community builders is it's not just for that role. Like he he basically helped shape Zomato's Melbourne office and and get the team going there all of that he because he knew the city so well so he was just like hey like we wanted to figure out like how to set up the office he knew someone and we collaborated and and then he knew someone who would paint the the office decor and stuff like that right? so i think it's great to always get the first hire who knows the city well who knows people in the space so and, and then we'd spend the first three months just meeting early users getting their feedback on and and the intention was just that just meet from a point of view that hey we, we are here we would love to help you and we just want to understand what are some of the behaviors in terms of the restaurant discovery process and what can be done better and involve them in the journey so that one-on-one -on -one then became we start forming small groups giving them that the platform to connect with each other and and then share feedback with us and and that sort of led to come like we were doing that and that essentially was community building in many ways so it would take anywhere between 6 to 18 months for like a platform to really kick in and and by that i mean let's say you share a review on zomato and somebody else responding back say to you saying anything hey, this was great thanks a lot it helped me and that that needed that's when the community really is working which Initial days would mean, let's say, in the first week of Zomato launching, if you were to write a review, the Zomato team would respond back saying, hey, thanks a lot for writing the review, Nitesh, I'm from Zomato team. Thanks for taking the effort. And, and But then over time, somebody else from the community would just respond to you. So for us, that was the essence of community building back then. Yeah. Love that. And especially love this, this really amazing anecdote where you... You started with a community builder as your first mm -hmm. hire, and you're able to use that to essentially just kickstart the entire team at this new city. So he would not only help you with the community building stuff, he would help you with finding the person who can paint your office or maybe like any other. So I think this is like a great takeaway where maybe new founders, they can also have community builder, like hiring a community professional on the top of their list and yeah. they can just help them make the connections in their industry and yeah, exactly. yeah this, this is amazing that's the key thing in most of the markets that i visit like the first two to three hires like within like with be either the content or the community person and it's not just for that particular role that's essentially the core of that city's dna and that gets formed mm -hmm. by the team um, mm -hmm. because they, they help not just with, let's say the one-on-ones or anything, but they're essentially helping set up the Zomato office. They're also helping with the initial hires, basically everything to just get the startup off the ground in that city. So it's one of the key roles when you think of it from backbone of the, uh, of Zomato in that city point of view. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Amazing. Okay. And so this is, so you were the VP of marketing at Zomato and this was essentially what 
like marketing as a matter looked like it was essentially community building right content and community led growth formed the key i would say core of how we operated for the first 5 to 6 years that it still is like the backbone of zomato in many ways uh, when you look at the outcomes like in terms of the restaurant content the the user generated content on the platform and the trust that people have on that content as part of marketing there were obviously many aspects of it so i also looked at performance marketing partnerships pr but yeah like this this was the core operations that how we functioned essentially yeah mm-hmm. that's great okay i want to ask you so i know that you started at zomato like there's a really interesting story as well so you started at the, as a zomato when it was still called foodiway as the yeah. 13th employee and mm-hmm. before that you were working at bain oh. bain consulting and you you worked there for 3 years right after college so yes. this was this was in 2010 when you joined zomato and their founders and back then like working at a startup didn't used to be so sexy as it is right now so mm-hmm. moving from bain to working at this new company thing that is being formed that must have been really like scary so what made you excited about working at a startup that you decided that you had to try it out in your career yeah the scary part is what excited me actually but no i think i was very fortunate to that be first of all at bain uh, right after engineering and and that too it was somehow like towards the end it, it just had happened and fortunate that i was at bain and that's where i was able to connect with also the founders of foodie bay and which is now zomato because it started as a weekend project while while we were at bain and i had seen it grow a start out and also grow and i was one of the users there and had worked with both the founders very closely during my stint at bain and then which made it very easy to take the jump to be honest right while i was like transitioning out from bain like few months leading to me moving out i i was exploring other startups but like you said that at that point there were not too many startups but there's flipkart there's mm-hmm. i don't remember anyone else like flipkart zomato burb.com which was zomato's competitor and and then there was uh, quicker so i was speaking to quicker but then yeah there was something that didn't work out i couldn't go to mumbai for the interview or something like that and around that time pankaj had reached out like because he wanted to focus on revenue and and then needed help on marketing so that got me and pankaj chatting and and then i spoke to dipender so it just moved fast from there and then yeah it was great that they wanted to get me on board and and for me it was a no brainer decision i was just like yeah wanted to move out of bain take a break and and this seemed like a great opportunity so how are you like, looking at your career at this point yeah. like you you mentioned that you, it was scary and that's what excited you but you also seem like a person who takes calculated risk or at least you're mindful about like the next step and doing yeah. this how do you think that it was going to help your career let's say in the well, long run even if it didn't work out yeah so one thing like i said because i'd worked with dipender and pankaj this was again not a um, like a shot in the dark 
so and and they they themselves ran it as a side project for two years before going in full time so that gave me great comfort that you know that, that basically they planned it out in a way that they could actually run it as a independent business first and then raise capital like after, when they felt okay they 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 hit product market fit so or on the part to that so i think that gave me confidence that okay you know, this this jump even if it's crazy it's fine my my mindset at this point was i i really wanted to move on from i think bain was great and but then like at, at the end of 3 years i wanted to try something else so i really wanted to move on and for for me this i was just thinking of it as you know, if i do a couple of years of this that that will give me immense learning anyway so and it's i i had great fun working with both of them while at bain so that combination just made sense the worst that might happen is that things will not work out and i have a great learning at the end of 2 years but hopefully because of the learning and because of let's say bain's learning i might land a job somewhere i think a lot of times people have this notion that they might not end up with a job and, and that prevents you from taking a step but yeah if you if you can and yeah back then i obviously didn't have a cushion or anything like that i was just taking a leap of faith but yeah for me it was the trust in founders and and i'd used the product so i knew that they were on to something and i yeah i was fortunate that they made me part of the journey so i just took that leap of faith at that time yeah this is so cool like i can i can totally imagine a younger version of you calculating this decision and like it's it's exciting but then it's also you're looking at it as an investment in your own career like in terms of the education but uh, not really as a way to jump ahead in your career like the worst thing you're thinking it's to be a great educational opportunity or is yeah there's not too much thought <laughs> i would say yeah i was like i said i was speaking to quicker i had applied to maybe a couple other places so i had sort of made my mind to move on and and to a startup or like i was in that mindset to try something different and when pankaj reached out i i think yeah like couple of times we had a chat the second time it was just like you know instantaneous then we moved very fast after that so yeah it, it didn't take a lot of time to say yes at all <laughs> amazing okay so this was your first big pivot in your career and then the second big pivot came when you moved away from zomato in 2019 yes. you you moved away to start your own company and build build another a high growth startup of yourself so uh, let's dive into that and i i know that you experimented with eight startup ideas when you were in that mode of exploring what you should do next and then shadow uh, was your eighth startup idea is that right yes yeah right. yeah so shadow yeah. was your eighth startup idea and you you realized that you had like this idea founder fit with shadow that you didn't have with the other seven ideas so can you speak about that a little what what were maybe some of those other ideas that and what did they lack like why did sure. they not have that fit with you yeah so i, I think 
I moved on from Zomato early 2019, but I didn't have clarity on what I wanted to do after. So I, I spoke to a bunch of folks at that point as well. So just connected with other startup founders because it was after eight and a half years of being at Zomato. So just wanted to familiarize myself. And I was in Gurgaon back then. So I moved, I had moved with Zomato in 2018 to Bangalore. But I, I really started connecting with folks in the ecosystem only after I moved on. So it is a lot of just grasping what's out there. So I'd spoken to a bunch of folk and mentally I was like, I, I didn't feel like joining anywhere right away. So a couple of months into it, I then started consulting and did that for about three, four months. And again, like while doing that, I, the, the thing with consulting, it's great in the short term, I think, but you're not in the, on the ground where the action is happening. You're like two degrees away from it. So that just kept coming back to me. And, and then I decided to move, stop like the consulting work and, and just focus on what I want to do next. So I'd pick just like whatever thoughts were coming in terms of the, these problems are what I'm noticing and so on. Very bottoms up way of approaching, I think, in terms of here's what I'm observing in, in this society and then let's try and solve it. So in fact, the first version of the startup like it was around helping people discover tutors in their societies and helping tutors in the societies get more audience, like yoga teachers, music teachers, and so on. So build, build a MVP product using Glide apps for that, ran it for a bit, but then like, I just gave it a thought that I've just come out of like marketplace model, like it you know, after eight years. So did not. Somewhere in the back of my head, I was like, oh, let me explore more before starting another marketplace. And yeah, so that, that, that was like the end of that, that startup, I think. But there were many more like that. I explored uh, a time management um, solution. But again, there were, again, this is a, like a wide problem to solve. I don't think anybody has solved it well. It's a very tough problem to solve as well. Because each person has a different way of managing things and no one tool can solve it uh, and did that for a month and a half or so but i think i ran into a problem of how to build this that didn't have a tech co-founder i just had some prototype designs and but it was going nowhere so then i felt okay i should do something non-tech which i explored the d2c space so this is so wanted to build like a health healthy alternative to meals like there's one product called Soylent in the US, which is like a, a health drink of sorts, right? So I was exploring that here, spent a month or so figuring out how to build that, met a lot of food consultants, met a lot of D2C founders, again, realized that that, that space is very niche and, and then it's not, it doesn't, it's not like too large, the category that we were operating in. So felt not something that we want to spend eight to 10 years on. Uh, for example, but then we discovered another problem while doing this, which is essentially that we were not able to find contract manufacturers easily for this product. So, and we spoke to n number of brands and this seemed to be a struggle. So I felt there is a opportunity in building a, or digitizing the supply chain logistics of the FMCG space. So we started work on that. There's just before Thredo spent a good two, three months on this. And we were building a 
supply chain management B2B platform essentially. Yeah, so I sort of had decided to do this, but then the pandemic hit and it just changed the focus of the companies we were talking to. So they went into survival mode. So this was not like core problem. And and yeah, decided to drop the idea because yeah, that's when I just reflected on most of the problems that we were trying to address. I didn't face the problem myself as such. It was just bottoms up discovering problems and then trying to solve it, but without a thought of overlap with our the our right to win. Why why is it that we want to solve this? So before Threado, that was like I just had put a few guardrails, which is essentially one is have a right to win in terms of your experience. Ideal case scenario, build it for a persona that you have experienced yourself. So that was one. Second is work on a problem that's large, global if possible, right? And is not a small niche. Like the D2C problem that we are solving was very small and we didn't even know if it was a need or a want. It felt like a need for us, but mostly it was a want in the market. And and third, yeah, so I think like these two were the key criteria. And third was just get started. Don't wait for like a tech co-founder from the start. So I had learned to code during this time. I spent four months learning Python and Django and, and started Threado as a, a passion project, basically. The thought process that was started, do that heavy lifting and, and along the way you will meet like someone. Right? So, and eight, nine months into it, I met Abhishek and, and yeah, that, that was also not planned initially, but yeah, that was a great outcome to see it happen. And, and today here we are. So, yeah. <laughs> this is so cool. So you're essentially just like you, you want to start a company and you don't know what to do. And this is where. I think a lot of people who want to start a company, they're struggling with, they're like, okay, I cannot find ideas. And then here you go about, you're like, let's see what problems I encounter and what problems I see around me. And then you're just going one by one, tackling those problems, seeing whether there's a fit. And you're, I love how you're also very mindful about how, whether it works for you personally. So sometimes it's, it doesn't, it's not the right fit for you, what you want to do in your life. It doesn't excite you. Sometimes you realize that the market is not there. Sometimes you realize that like people are just not ready or it's you uh, other times it's just not that good of an idea as it felt before. And you're, you're transitioning from, from one idea to another. And like this, this just feels really like an active way of approaching this transition period. You also said that you're like, essentially you taught yourself use like glide apps and programming and you're just uh, on the move constantly so yeah in hindsight it looks great uh, <laughs> while, while doing it it was chaotic but then i had spoken to a few people and i think that's super important in this phase as well like constantly have mentors like always be in touch have a great support system right and because it's not just about the startup and all that it's important to do it sustainably yourself as well so one of the key things which, like for example, Pankaj himself, like I'd spoken to him. So he was one of the few people who recommended me to take time to think through what I want to do next and not to pressurize myself to land on it in three months or whatever time frame. And maybe I took too long to needed, but which is where it's important to have that 
financial like planning in some form that you give yourself enough room so like with any startup you for us also right now we want to have enough runway so that our team can have the best shot at the mission we are trying to accomplish and it involves a lot of experimentation so it's about discovering like being curious trying out things and then going in that direction the same applies to when let's say i was also figuring out what to do next so i i think this was my way of discovering it it took time it led to several things not working out and there's a lot of anxiety during that phase which is where the support system like having these mentors everything like helps otherwise it 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 feels like you know by the end of the sixth or seventh startup it just felt like i should just go and get a job and yeah. there are several times where that happens and and i think you just have to show up next day and say okay let's knock it out do something else so especially when there's no this time when there's nothing else to just think about okay now i'll st- start coding is completely bizarre if <laughs> at that point but then you just trust that okay it'll help in some some form so for me not being able to find a tech co-founder was playing on my mind so i i just felt get to the ability to create something and 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 then let's see where it goes so yeah it is all about getting lost and and then finding it's important to do that so some of them like figure out while they're working that this is what they want to do that was also there but i i i just couldn't do that i think yeah i think this is this is perfect like i think everybody has a different story and ultimately what counts is that you're able to then come up with this idea and like you have threado right now which which is an amazing product there are so many amazing problems that you're solving and solving them well it's ultimately like a story about of like a winning story where you tried a bunch of things and there was uh, there were moments of darkness where you didn't know how it was going to go and but then ultimately it led to a victory in the end so like you mentioned support systems a lot like they were really helpful when you when you were going through this phase and can you tell me who were the other people some of the other so one of them was zomato's co-founder pankaj and what who were some of the other people who were a part of your support system during this time sure no uh, i think both uh, dipendra and pankaj were i was in touch with you in this phase so it was great to engage with them i obviously like my family my wife and uh, at that phase like were very supportive especially my wife at that point because parents don't always understand like some of these decisions so but then yeah like they they trust that you'll figure out i also was in touch with folks who had moved on like and, and gone this path to startup so was not not like meeting a lot of them but like at least met folks from this the vc space and also founders who were on a break i had met rajiv who was the co-founder of urban company he was on a break at that point so it is great to get his perspective on how is he thinking of what next and so on and met kevin Kevin William David so he's the co-founder at Creator Stack and a prominent product hunt, uh, hunter 
So that was close to just before starting Thredo. And, and at that point, I was like trying to meet co-founders for the startup as well. Had my college friends uh, who, and, and like a couple of them were actually helping me on, on their free time. So Shishir and Anshul, both are angel investors in Thredo. But they take time out to even code on some of the projects that, you know, that we were working on. So yeah, these were some of them. Obviously, there's a much longer list for sure. But even even today, I think I follow the similar process. Have folks who you can always reach out to for help and, and who've gone through this phase so that you don't have to reinvent the wheel again. So there are folks who are companies who are at Series A, Series B stage right now who I'd reach out to to learn how to handle the situation. And, and a lot of them are like in, on our captable uh, angels who are very helpful, whether it be on fundraise or on what should we do on GTM or, or so on. But basically, you want like sparring partners to help you discover the answer. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, yeah, it's, I think at any stage, it's super important to have folks that I yeah. Love that. So I'm trying to understand what it would look like if somebody was in this position and they wanted to find people who they can just have expiring partners with. So did you just message them on, let's say, Twitter or email and said that, hey, I am, I have done this and this and I'm trying to explore new things. What was that reach out, initial reach out message? Can you remember? Yeah, so not, nothing was, it was not well planned out. It, it, I think the basic thing is always keep sharing what you're thinking about. Like Sharad says, build in public. So it's more of that, that share, don't be in isolation. And mother, at that point, it's also, it's easy to assume that you don't want to share your idea because somebody will steal it. But that's a very negative way of looking at the world. One, because if you're the only one who is working on the idea, it's probably not true. Like that, that you, you might want to think of that idea because... If there are multiple people solving the problem, that's great validation that that problem exists. And two, the more you share, the more opportunities it creates. And that's essentially how, for example, I think when the pandemic hit, the intention was, okay, let's try and connect with a few people while we are at home. And uh, I think I noticed this initiative called Grab Chai, started by Suhas Motwani. And that's how I met Suhas. And, and on that call, it was Suhas, Aditya, and Jitesh. Jitesh was at Blue Ventures there. And it was a great first conversation. And, and Suhas and I have been in touch ever since and have taken his inputs on community building, how we are thinking of a product, everything. They came right from the journey from before Thredo. So that was not planned out. So it just happened. So I think it's, a lot of it is just intention to share more, connect with others and see where it goes. Same thing, even with, I think, Rajiv from Urban Company, I had spoken to a friend and just mentioned to him that this is what I'm thinking. And then he suggested, hey, you should meet Rajiv. And I'm like, yeah, sure. If he's open to it, why not? And then we met. So uh, a lot of times, if, if, you, if you just don't share, this, these things don't happen. So just be open about whatever you're doing what your intentions are and i think people will help 
and a second is like going with a mindset to help as well so i remember the the rajiv connection for example my my friend so he started flatheads which is like a t2c brand and i was trying to look for consulting work for marketing and and then i mentioned to him this is what what i'm thinking and so on and then he suggested that why don't you speak to him so if i had not had that chat then he would not have connected to rajiv and that would not have happened so it's just like chain reaction to whatever you do <laughs> amazing i love this philosophy like just be open about what you're doing share as much as possible and just also offer to give help in whenever you're yeah talking second i think is also expanding network so mm-hmm. i that was intentional i would say that's how i think we also met so i i intentionally went and and joined communities like there's this by sai loving year he started the minimal entrepreneur course and and i just wanted to experience that and because i i was a big fan of gumroad and and some of his principles and how he's built it so i was curious to know about that course so got to meet a lot of good folks from that community and then i came across on deck uh join on on deck odcb1 which is where we we connected and uh, community hack started off so that was the intentional part i think was just like like connect with different people get different perspectives and that's how i actually discovered that that code in place was a community for learning to code by started by stanford during the pandemic so uh, a lot of it was just opening up the network so i think that changed like a lot during the break for me right. yeah that's amazing i i love this i love this for so many reasons and i think there are so many things that i can just think of applying to my own life right now from what you just said <laughs> okay now let's talk about threado so uh, you you you've landed upon the idea of threado and you want to build a tool to help community builders so uh, the earlier idea of threado as you mentioned was to build a forum and you you then pivoted away from that and i love that story because you essentially did a lot of user testing and you sh- you put that product in the hands of users to understand that it was not the like you understood the need for a pivot and this feels very this feels very remarkable because it's a lot of the founders they're really shy about showing their let's say the incomplete products and putting it in the hands of real users so i want to talk about your user testing like approach like how do you look at user testing at threado and how do you find the people that you should like who will be good candidates to test an early version of your product yeah so key thing is yeah it's important to get that user feedback early and and not later because it takes a lot of effort to build product i think one learning that i've had in the last two years is it seems like product building is easy but it's not it takes a lot of effort to like get that going so if the entire team is going to spend a lot of hours and sleepless nights building a product don't do it without that feedback coming in so and learned it the hard way when i was building it like on my own like early on built a product 
we wanted to address certain problems for the com community admins and also the members which are largely the problems which we're trying to address today as well but the solution is different right now but the route that we had taken then was to build this forum based platform and then once we built it tested with few customers and we'd spoken to about 70 community builders back then the problem that we faced was yeah i think you want to keep an eye out for friction that you sense when 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 people want to use the product the friction here was if they had an existing community they wouldn't switch to our platform because if you have 1000 people on on slack like telling them to go to another platform is huge friction point for each of those members so that that's the core problem that we ran into for with existing community builders they had acknowledged that the product was great looks great but you know they're being basically being nice to me but like not not saying no on my face which is also a problem you need to know that what is a no right how do you and identify that i think if they're not like using and willing to pay <laughs> it's a no uh, okay. so which says that hey we'll use it after three months or this looks good but not right now is is a hard no it's basically that <laughs> you don't want to use the product and uh, it's the same with VCs also. When VCs say that, hey, you know, this looks great, your team looks great, great momentum, but we'll consider investment in a few months, which means not right now. And that's a hard no there. So I think that that is one sign. Second, because of this, we were attracting new, I mean, startups who had not started their community yet. Uh, the problem there was it solved the problem that the community builder wanted. They're like, okay, this product makes sense for us. Their expectation would be that you'll use this product and put in 100 people, you'll get an engaged community out. But that's not how it works. So the end members are not used to a new platform. It takes a lot of habitual, habitual learning to get that going. So we just pivoted at that point because the friction points on two sides doesn't work. So coming to your question on what is our philosophy i think like then we sort of went back to the whiteboard to say these are the problems that community builders face these are the problems that community members face as well what part of it do we want to solve so for us it was clear that hey what's happening in the community and some of these workflows are still very manual people on slack still face issues it's not just analytics but who's engaged who's not how do you sort of target them all of that like sort of surface as core problems so we said why don't we build for communities on slack or discord which is where the market is exploding right there are n number of communities getting created there why create another tool where we're trying to move away share like you know, there's this behavior in the market so essentially we said okay let's follow the market and and identify what problem to solve there and we went back to those community builders said okay here are the mock-ups here's what we're building and there everyone said we want to try this product out this looks great we want to try it because it solved a problem that they were trying to do it manually either on excel or like zapier airtable integrations and and this seemed like a great solution for them so that pull is i think an indication that okay like it makes sense to build it the second is when you build a prototype we gave it to stoa school who was the first customer and and then FAMPAY and then a couple others work with real data rather than building in silos. 
and then being constant touch obviously the first version of the product is extremely shitty but it's important to get get it out there and get the feedback okay. in the second thing is we also followed an approach that while we are in beta close beta with a few customers we constantly add value to community builders outside of the product so community os was the first one which we launched in november and that even till today i think people recommend them i think i saw someone just last week share it on cmx saying that is a great resource to someone else so organically it's getting shared so that was a great way for us to connect with community builders and build that uh, like basically we are adding value and then connecting with them without our core product so and and that led us to launch i think eight times on product hunt and and we continue to do that so every month we roll out a drop which is a resource or a tool a microsas tool for them and that's a core thing because that also gives us ideas of what is resonating with the community builders and then we can incorporate that in the product and that's key and third is even now we we follow like a weekly cadence of rolling out customer features and now we have a community of community builders as well so mostly folks who have been using our product so we are now opening up our roadmap to we'll be sharing mocks we've started to do that and get feedback from them before we start coding it so whoever we are in touch with we introduce them to here's how we are thinking about this and then get the feedback and 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 then build it out rather than building in isolation yeah this is incredible i so i want to touch upon that the fact that you just mentioned where you launch community os and you're doing these monthly drops marketing drops for the larger community community and that's a way for you to engage with the community industry and i just i love that approach to marketing it's so fresh and i really feel that it's a great way to create value and you've been doing this even before you you had a product so you've been doing this while you were in private beta and you keep doing it now so i want to talk about your marketing approach so how do you approach doing new things versus following playbooks when when you look at your marketing campaigns or marketing initiatives what's work is going deep on the persona in the sense who is who who are you building the product for what are they doing today in the sense what are their problems what what do they give importance to and where do they need help so when you start thinking of that which is where i think the founder market fit is important is if you have lived that persona and then it will give give you a head start in terms of thinking of okay this is this, maybe doing this is helpful and so on so a lot of marketing comes from a good marketing comes from understanding the persona well right and 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 then you figure out what what will it take to add value one of the things that we follow is adding value in areas which are high frequency right in terms of when you think of jobs to be done for a community builder we prioritize the high frequency high importance ones right? which are like to drive engagement or to make it easier to drive engagement there or to con- enable connections or so on so a lot of the and we have a long list of them so and from that stems ideas that okay like if for this like what can be done and and then you observe what are some of the key questions that keep coming up when you speak to community builders and then you realize that okay what if you just put together 
uh, curated list of things that help solve this. It doesn't need to be your own product, but you can literally solve it with content or how to do things. So I think, yeah, that's, it's not a framework to marketing, but yeah, deep understanding of customer. And then second is, I think the mindset that content can help solve a problem. It doesn't have to be your product, but in a way, the, like how Stack Overflow, for example, is for developers, right? So people have a question asked there, somebody else solves it, it solves the problem. So content can solve a problem if done well. And so for us, we started with a newsletter and being consistent is the next thing. So newsletter is now in the 77th edition, I think right now. And uh, so every week for like 77 weeks, we've been posting it somewhere around the 36th week is when we launched Community OS. So, and then since then we've been consistently adding value on, on, on like drops every month. So I think, and have a deep understanding of persona, pick like a couple of channels, go deep and, and then experiment with other channels and see what works and then pick one and then go again. So for us, it's been newsletter, then this community OS like drops. SEO and, and now community, right? So these are four things which we are doubling down on. And then there may be more as we go ahead. Yeah. I love this. I think this is, this is incredible. The way you approach your product building at Fredo and also how you're approaching marketing and connecting with your potential audience. They're just like, I feel you have fiery combination of the two and they both complement each other. and. They're working really, really well. So I have one final question for you, Pramod. So, which is when you look at tomorrow, let's say, whether it's the little tomorrow or let's say tomorrow in the longer term, what makes you excited about your work? Yeah. So what keeps us like going is when you see, and I was telling the team today, we had our all hands. The key highlights like slide, the first slide was two customers who shared on Twitter, I think, and we've not even spoken to that, those customers. The first one said that, you know, Thredo is a lifesaver if you have a community on Slack or Discord. And, and the second one was something similar that they've been using Thredo for the last few weeks and it's created great impact for them. So what I was heading to the team is that we've not even spoken to them there's been no personal interaction because in the private beta phase, we, we literally knew one-on-one, -on -one, like everyone who was using the product and to, since the launch, it's something that we're trying to get to, but it was great to see this outcome. And, and for me, that, that is what excites me about the path ahead that if we consistently add value and not just from a product standpoint and also delight, delight in every experience in how we handle when, when a query comes in and somebody asks us for support or reports a bug in everything we do, if we delight, and then this is the second order impact that the more we do it, we start seeing this more and more. That's a great outcome to see. So that's obviously one that, that excites me to be able to do that more to create impact and build something that is doing that at a large scale. Second is the team. I think just great to work with the team that brings a lot of experience that we've not had personally ourselves. So that's what I look forward to. Yeah. <laughs> this is amazing. I 
think this was an incredible conversation and I think our, our listeners will also love that.